Hello, everybody, and welcome to Untether.tv. I'm your host and founder, Rob Woodbridge. This is, of course, that place you come to to hear some insights from great minds in the mobile industry. We're going to take a step above the software layer and above the app layer and above the business layer and get a landscape, a layout of what is going to happen in 2014. My guest today is Chetan Sharma. He is the president of Chetan Sharma Consulting. These guys uh, do strategic advisory work focused on evolving trends, emerging problems and opportunities, new business models and technology advances that take our mobile communications industry to the next level. Yeah, uh, Chetan every year does a number of these. Things. Every quarter he does uh, great surveys on, on kind of an assessment of how the quarter was in the mobile industry. And every year he does this entire a year, a look back at 2013 and a look forward to the things that are going to be propelling us in 2014 in the mobile industry. Uh, if you haven't been, go to ChetanSharma.com. He's going to be on in one second. I, He's also somebody that I, I look up to in this industry as, as somebody who has uh, like the bastion of knowledge um, inside of inside of the mobile industry. So hang on for one second. I've got to put out a plea here, a light plea. I have set up something called a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash untether. This is a place where you can support this show, all of untether.tv. It is a place, uh, it is a nice place where you can contribute to independent content creators. There's some great content creators up there. And what I'm asking for is a simple thing. It's a dollar a month. If you find value in this content, just go up there and, and support me for a dollar a month. Become a patron of untether.tv. If you do $25 or more per month, I will send you, I will, guaranteed an untether.tv mug. I know you will cherish it every day. But I would appreciate it if you find any value in here, please support untether.tv by going to patreon.com forward slash untether. All right, enough with the begging. That is it. I'm going to bring Chetan in right now. Chetan, thank you for coming on untether.tv. I appreciate your time. My pleasure. Yeah, that was my little beg. I hope I hope you don't mind. That's all right. I got a beg, you know? Yeah. I keep yeah. saying that I am a terrible busker, Chetan. So if you, if you make me go out and play music, I will. But most people pay me to shut up, not to play. Uh. Right? So... Thank you for doing this. Uh, you know, it's been quite some time since we caught up, but I certainly spend a lot of time on your site and and kind of uh, you know take deep dives into your uh, your quarterly reports and your uh, your annually reports. I'm going to start off with one really important question, which everybody's asking me, and now I need an answer. So I've got you on the show, and now I'm going to get that answer. Is what what are the things that in 2014 are going to blow up just in a great way for the mobile industry? Blow up in a good way, right? Yes, like absolutely, yeah. like take the world on fire in 2014. Yeah, yeah. yeah I wish I had a great answer. <laughs> uh, but the way these things uh, happen, they happen more progressively or more incrementally. And as such, uh, there is no huge, uh, you know, one day we wake up and there is something nirvana happening in the industry. But over time, you see gradual improvements in on multiple levels uh, at the network layer level applications and devices and new form factors and, and so on and so forth. Um, but I think the broader story that is uh, fairly apparent uh, worldwide is um, kind of the mobilization of every industry. Uh, I think that's what's going on and that's what really excites me, that every single industry is being impacted by mobile, whether it's retail, travel, entertainment, tourism, uh, you name it. And it's getting kind of unbundled and rethought as to how those industries should actually work. Um, and, and like retail, for instance, uh, retailers typically don't have much idea about their customers. They're using mobile, they are having a better grasp on who their uh, loyal customers are and how to 
keep keep uh, keep them engaged um, besides um, them ha having been in the store in, even when they are in the store having a better understanding of who they are and that's so that's just for example travel the same way people just like they used to buy a lot of the tickets online now they are doing it on, on their mobile devices and so commerce is gradually shifting from online to mobile there are several mobile only companies that are doing in excess of a billion dollar in revenue annually and so i think it's the fundamental transformation of various industries i think that's the big big story not only for this year but probably for the next five ten years and and depending on uh, the regulations in a given industry health for instance uh, is is uh, generally um, it suffers from regulation so a lot of innovation cannot happen you have to innovate around it uh, but pretty much every industry in its own way is getting transformed in some countries the transformation is taking place much faster um, um, and, and others it just depends on the circumstances and the competitive forces uh, so I think that will be the kind of the ongoing story for for some time uh, and within Within that, you will see enhancements in network technology that help you deliver much better content, much high-def high, high content, as well as uh, much more personalized content in terms of intelligence layer uh, in the network. And the devices probably will see, maybe not this year, but definitely in the next two, three years, some foldable displays come into the market, which will take us away from this uh, rectangular screen that we have been become accustomed to seeing. Uh, for some time and then applications of course i think application is the area which is def by far uh, the most exciting because you never know what can come uh, come in and what can disrupt uh, which industry you know, like uber's disrupting the taxi industry and so on and so forth and so um, i think the fact that you, with an app you can create tremendous amount of value and tremendous amount of disruption is uh, probably uh, one of the most exciting uh, parts of the industry you know, it, it's funny because the industries that you talk about uh, have, have obviously been through some insane turmoil, like retail industry, uh, restaurant industry, the travel industry. They, every, it seems like every um, force is against them at every turn of technology, right? When when uh, the PCs came out, it was about inventory and inventory control and management, a tighter, mm -hmm. and, and there was a cost associated with that. And then the web came out and it was like, okay, retail is dead because we can do it all online. Remember all those online retailers that, yeah. that popped up? Including mm -hmm. Amazon after the after the bust, and then mobile comes along and completely, you know, uh, you've got this now. You know, v adjectives are created, showrooming, and and uh, yeah. and all of a sudden we're talking about the the complete destruction of of retail, and and the same thing has happened with uh, with travel industry. So uh, you know, are, are they adapting more to this technology now? Are they getting it a little bit more, or is it still in that dire mode? Has re has mobile brought on uh, you know a short short life for for the way we know these industries today? Uh, so with each, if you kind of look, go historically 30, 50 years back, with each cycle, uh, the time duration for disruption shortens. Yes. Uh, and, and, and the panic button goes much quicker in these industries than it used to. And so clearly these companies are uh, not dumb or stupid. They see the change coming. Uh, what often happens is it's very difficult to change the DNA of the company to move in one direction versus another, uh, given the pressure of quarterly earnings. Mm -hmm. And so that's what some of these uh, executives uh, have to juggle and how, how to kind of manage uh, and disrupt uh, your own business um, while uh, produ producing results for, for the Wall Street. And, 
and and that dilemma will continue unfortunately that's the way the markets are set up and you do have to figure out a way to set up groups that are totally independent from the mothership in a way that they can have the ability to disrupt your own business otherwise somebody else will and if you don't do that experimentation or disruption yourself uh, i think those companies generally uh, tend to fall by the wayside Yes, and we start to see that, right? Uh, but but you're right. Like it's a weird thing because we've set up the markets in such a way they've evolved as this industry has evolved, but they've evolved uh, for certain expectations where we as consumers seem to evolve much faster with our expectations and and. Sure. Our attention span is so fleeting these days that you know we don't care about the markets. I care about getting the best price for the product that's in front of me, right? And Absolutely. that's a hard thing to balance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what about, uh, you know, if you look back into 2013, um, was there anything that was surprising that emerged out of that? And, you know, I always preface these things, Chetan, when we talk about this is that, you know, for a lot of people, the entire mobile, mobile revolution was mm -hmm. just that. It's like one day they woke up and everybody was carrying a cell phone or a smartphone, yeah. right? Yeah. But, but for somebody like you who's been in this industry and, and has charted this industry for so long, it's like sometimes it might feel like a glacial, slow moving thing, especially you know the first 20 years of the mobile industry, certainly not la the last bunch. So when you, when you look over at, the, at uh, 2013, you know, what, what movement happened there that, that fills you with, with joy that, that you were either surprised with or that you predicted and, uh, and came true or that you just were, were completely uh, in line with, with what happened? Sure. You know, uh, so I think the most uh, volatile market has been the device market uh, in terms of who the players um, are in, at the top and um, you know how different players are coming into the ecosystem going out and so on and so forth. And so while all that has happened, uh, Samsung and Apple still dominate, right? Um, I think what's probably surprising to a lot of folks, uh, if you look historically, is how fast Nokia disappeared from the from the map. And RIM, right. unfortunately, right? And RIM, yeah. yeah. I mean, being the leaders uh, of the space and being completely wiped out to 2-3% market share in a matter of 3-4 years is uh, is pretty shocking even for the device space. And 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 the problem with the space is it it doesn't it's not it's very unforgiving. It doesn't give you too many second chances. <clears throat> and so um, while Windows Mobile is coming up and Microsoft has acquired Nokia, it remains to be seen <clears throat> what strategy does Microsoft take in 2014 uh, forward. You know, do they do a Google and and get rid of uh, Nokia just like Google did, or they truly uh, embrace an integrated approach to devices like Apple. Uh, and I think that decision has uh, enormous implications on the overall ecosystem as well as obviously Microsoft. Uh, so I think that the, the acceleration of how turbulent uh, the market has been in, uh, in 2013 and, and into 2014 is probably uh, you know one of the things that I've been watching. Uh, the other big story has been um, just the enormous growth of mobile data. And even in our survey, everybody kind of agreed that mobile data and its implication on, on economies, its implication on countries uh, uh, and operators and the ecosystem is, has been just tremendous. Um, you know, we take uh, 4G LTE for granted, but it has taken so much time uh, to get here. Uh, and if you look at historically 1G, 2G, 3G and 4G, I mean, 4G was initially designed primarily for data services. Uh, voice 
is actually not even launched in, in many markets. It's primarily a data technology. And um, how fast it has gotten traction, especially in the U.S. market or the Korean market, even Canada and in U.K., um, uh, I think go shows you that once consumers get hooked to a certain way of doing things, there's no going back. And so I think LTE and LTE Advanced and these standards have just become part of our expectations, what we expect from the networks, and demand more and more. Uh, the other interesting part of the story has been uh, how the computing landscape has changed. So, you know, we talked about the, the, the device ecosystem, but if you kind of step back and look at uh, kind of the computing ecosystem, I mean, clearly with tablets and smartphones, it's having a tremendous impact on the PC ecosystem. And uh, combined, they overtook PC uh, for the first time. Um, and when the device side or the ecosystem side or the platform side has, is having an impact, it impacts the rest of the food chain, meaning applications are now being built for Android and iOS, not really for Windows. And so that market is going to shrink. It used to dominate 99% of the computing space in terms of application development. So that market, I think, is clearly shifting towards iOS and Android. And that has implications for a lo lot of players, lot of players uh, in the ecosystem. And so new, in, in the, I mean, we obviously understand and see the consumer side. On the, on the enterprise side also, um, companies are just building. Uh, you know, they get, hand out tablets, they hand out smartphones, and they just build uh, applications on iOS and Android. And and that has uh, significant implications in in folks who are quite dependent on Windows as a platform for um, uh, application development on an ongoing basis. What an interesting perspective, because we always talk about the implication of mobile on, on business, the outbound business, like restaurants mm -hmm. and retail, like we, we've talked about here. But you, you never take into consideration the fact that all those companies that are driving all those uh, all that revenue and employing all those people that rely on not a deprecated or an old system, Windows, yeah. Um, the impl implication is there that because, you know, the complexity to build for mobile devices, uh, you know, and time to build is is a, of a smaller component than it would be to build for desktop applications and, and enterprise. Yeah. Um, but the implication for those guys is just as real as the retail industry. It's in turmoil. Absolutely. It's amazing. Well, what what well, it's not amazing. I mean, it's amazing that you don't think about those things, but it's a, it's not so amazing if you're in that business. Yeah, I mean, it's I think amazing if you kind of look uh, I mean, when you are living it, it's yes. uh, hard to appreciate <laughs> what's happening. Yes. But but if you kind of step back and you know, say 5 10 year time period, I mean, the changes that are happening are phenomenal. I mean, from month to month we are making tremendous progress. Yeah, and I mean, I, I spent a, a considerable number of months trying to help um, our, our national newspaper chain here. Um, you know, they have uh, 13 daily newspapers across the country in Canada mm -hmm. and uh, trying to help them move into this world. And, and, and it's the same kind of thing that, that you know, their, you know, eight years ago, their revenue just went right off a cliff. Like nobody's yeah. ever seen like that before. But I think if you would look back at what's happened to all the other industries, there hasn't been an industry like that. It's been a gradual decline that if you look, yeah. as you said, over the last 10 years, yeah, there's indications, but I, I, mean, I think the newspaper industry went off a cliff and, and has not recovered and will never recover uh, in Canada anyways. Yeah, because the business model, business model they relied on busted, right? And so yeah. and if you don't adjust to the changing times, um, you know, things, uh, I mean, it's not that the news media industry has collapsed. died. No. It's the newspaper industry were relying on uh, advertisements and classifieds. And those things uh, just that business model just completely eroded. It evaporated. Yeah. 
like overnight. Well, so when you when you think of the biggest platforms right now, I mean, it's obviously like operating system wise, it's obviously Android and uh, and iOS uh, dominate. And and you said the manufacturers is is uh, is Samsung and it's Apple, right? Those are those are the dominant players. I, you know, but there's there's always you had a great slide in in, uh, in your presentation talking about you may, what's that third platform? Um, yeah. Explain that. Like, is there really room for another platform here on a global scale? And and can there be a third player in this? Uh, so I think it'll be foolish to assume that the state of uh, uh, state of the platforms will stay constant for another five years. I think since we are in the state of disruption, changes are likely to happen. But in what form, we don't completely quite know. Right. Um, if you look at, broadly speaking, say, you know, in five, ten years, there will be five million, five billion uh, smartphone users. Uh, even if you get 10% of the market, that's still a huge market, right? And so from a percentage point of view, you might be lower, but I think there is room for the third player. Uh, and the question is whether the third player is a forked Android or that third player is somebody like Windows Phone. And how much is Microsoft going to push Windows as a vehicle uh, to drive that growth? You know, how critical is it to uh, their overall strategy? You know, if they want to be in, in services, um, then should they just focus on services on Android and iOS that dominate, or should they push their own platform uh, as a way to making making inroads in the mobile ecosystem, I think that question is still up in the air. Um, Should it be up in the air, Chetan? Like you know, if you're you're taking over the helm of Microsoft, their mobile division, uh, do do you look at this and think, uh, you know, because I know there's a lot of call for Nokia to come out with an Android phone, and yeah. and uh, you know, it just seems like, you know, and and maybe BlackBerry's biggest uh, problem was that they didn't adopt Android early on, and they stayed yeah. with their ridiculous operating system because it's yeah. terrible. Um, yeah. But it was the best we had at the time. Yeah. Uh, so, do you think that, do you, like, what would you do if you're Microsoft? Would you sit back and say, let's let's just use Android and go with the flow, or would you say? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think I would probably take another shot at uh, seeing if I can um, attack the feature phone market first. Mm. Oh, really? Uh, one of the critical mistakes that Microsoft made, in my my humble opinion, was that they went after Android and iOS, and once. Uh, a user is invested into an ecosystem, it's very hard for them to pull that user out of that ecosystem because they've invested in applications, mm -hmm. they've invested in learning how these devices work and so on and so forth. And over time, built, you know, they have built that loyalty to that ecosystem. But feature phone users are, you know, they, that's the virgin territory, especially in a lot of the emerging markets. And so I think if Microsoft went after those users and get them converted, and starts to get their share above 10%, I think then they have a shot. If they continue to go after iOS and Android, uh, I think market has spoken in the last year that market is really not interested. Consumers are really not interested, even though Windows is a great operating yes. system yeah. uh, and they have done a great job. But I think uh, it's something like uh, what happened to Zoom, if you remember. Of course. Uh, so they're having a Zoom effect, meaning that if you're late to a market, the market just says, you know, it rejects you, uh, and so they're getting zoomed out of the of the of the phone market because of that uh, reason. Uh, but if they attack the feature phone market in the emerging markets, I think, or even even the developed markets, they go after those users. I think they will have a better shot. It's funny that you're using a Microsoft product to describe, and like you've you've created a, a you know a verb around a, another Microsoft product. How many how many of these attempts can they make before it's you know it, it's zoomed and then it'll be windowed and then it'll be you know it's 
Yeah, they're they're one shining star is obviously the enterprise and the Xbox and the consumer side. I mean, the enterprise they are very very strong, yes. and so they should leverage that strength, uh, especially on the tablet side. Um, yes. Uh, but on the phone side, they have to attack the feature phone market. You know, it's funny though. Like, uh, you know, what about what about? Look, I always think that, you know, BlackBerry's failing here on the on the on the handset market was the fact that they were all in, right? That yeah. that was their number one. It was their only line of business was the phones, yeah. right? And when you go a year and a half without releasing a phone, you, you know, you expect something like this to happen. Yeah. Uh, but Microsoft has, you know, all of these different one billion dollar businesses that yeah. can fund indefinitely, like Apple, yeah, with, with a war chest, yeah. Um, so is there hope for a company like BlackBerry? Do you see anything uh, like I, I, you know, my, I see somebody with a BlackBerry. I'm Canadian, yeah, and I see somebody with a BlackBerry. And I'm like, oh, I can't talk to you anymore. Like, yeah. you know, it, uh, it's almost. Is there hope for this company? You know, uh, it's it might operate as a small niche in certain markets, but as, as a device player, I think its days are gone. It's done. Yeah, it's so sad, eh? But I mean, that's that's the market, right? And, that's the market. Yeah, I mean they they didn't acknowledge the reality and by the time they did it was too late it was way too late and then you know the the, the other side of that is a good lesson is that they acknowledged the market and but then they attacked the same market they didn't think upriver, right they they yeah. just didn't think like you know rim's greatest when they were rim greatest thing was that they thought ahead of time they were they they blazed a trail for these Absolutely. devices Absolutely. and then they became laggards and then they tried to compete you know, two years behind everybody else. Yeah. What they yeah. should have done was just kind of look five years ahead and build towards that. Yeah. Wow. I mean, then there were, you know, decisions like uh, they got distracted by the tablet, tablets uh, and that sucked them a lot of resources. It had a lot of product flaws in terms of feature set that they launched with. And so it didn't really have any traction and that would set them back. I mean, those resources could have been applied to the phone market. And as you said, I think they should have adopted Android much earlier and that would have given because BlackBerry ecosystem was just gone, right? Yeah. It was there was no ecosystem, and this is a game of ecosystems. And so, had they embraced that, leveraging their enterprise security skills and reputation, they could have had a good leverage in the marketplace. Um, but uh, unfortunately, they didn't uh, see it that way. Unfortunately, now they've just been, you know, basically they've become a BBM carrier, right? Uh, ultimately, yeah. that's their value. Well, I mean, what what company out there do you think ha has a chance? You know, there's all these rumors, everything floating around here, obviously with iWatches and this wearable industry that is emerging uh, quite quickly. Um, and, you know, Sony really becoming, moving into becoming a hardware company ultimately and, and yeah. Under Armour doing the same thing, becoming a software company. And then uh, there's uh, there's this company that, that I have a huge amount of respect for, and I think a lot of people do. It's called Amazon, right? That mm -hmm. is um, that is sitting there, uh, you know, as the as the gateway to commerce, and now the gateway to technology. Um, and the rumors are floating around that these guys are going to be coming out with a device. Do, do they, you know, they have their tablets uh, with a smartphone. Is that something that you foresee in 2014 that they can launch and be successful with? Uh, so the the issue with uh, Amazon is, you know, what's the business model they're going to launch with? Right. Um, and, you know, unless they can offer a disruptive business model in terms of pricing, um, you know, why why would you bother, right? Because they can have the application running on pretty much all the devices and do all the commerce transactions themselves. They have the Kindle uh, suite of devices. Uh, so, but if they want to launch a smartphone, it has to be something disruptive from a pure price point there's nothing lower they can offer in the market that doesn't already exist, right? I mean, you can get iPhone, 
free. Galaxy yeah. is for, for free. So what are they going to offer? I mean, they could. the only way they can attack is if they start subsidizing some of the data plans. And that's a tricky proposition because you're committing, um, you know, hard cash for, um, uh, for something that may or may not uh, uh, come to fruition. Uh, but that's that's the only angle I, I see them taking to attack the smartphone market. Otherwise, I think there's no point. Just uh, just have your app on all the devices and, and make loads of money. So do you think that it's likely that they'll come out with a phone? I think the phone has been in the works for the last two, three years. So okay. It's not, not a big secret that they have not been working on, on, a, on a device. Um, the, I think I'm not sure if they have come to terms with the business model. Okay. And so I think it comes down to that, how confident they feel. Uh, the business model they come out with in terms of subsidization of uh, data uh, charges, uh, and can that can it really compensate with uh, the commerce transaction taking place on the device? And so I think once that kind of decision takes place, uh, they might come out. So it's it's a jump ball. You know, it's it's interesting because you're right. Is that uh, you know one one of the great things about Amazon is the fact that you can you can get a get a um, you buy product on any device and get a yep. book on any device and read the book on any device and then listen to it through audible.com the same thing and and then make recommendations through goodreads and the same thing right so they've got this great little ecosystem and and injecting a phone is an interesting thing i know that it was the number one thing that that people assumed would happen in 2014 yeah but and and you know amazon has has been one of the more forward-thinking companies when it comes to uh, connectivity with WhisperNet and and yeah. you know offering absolutely. these kind of things, right? And and yeah. playing with advertising sponsored devices, right? So, okay. absolutely. I mean, they have done a. I think in advertising on devices, they have done probably the best job in the industry. Yeah. Uh, even I, I would say better than Google, uh, and so they have done a better job advertising on devices than on Android devices than Google has in terms of building using the Kindle display as a way to subsidize uh, the price so you know you get a break on in the in the device price uh, but the question is can they do that on an ongoing basis right uh, you know especially with uh, the monthly subscription data and it, it's 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 difficult to see the business model work out what about Google uh, you know one of the predictions that you had in your in your deck was that uh, they were the most likely to make acquisitions and lo and behold you know what three days into the year didn't they buy nest right uh, for a huge amount of money yeah. what uh, I, I, you know these guys are in everything everywhere all the time from yeah. robotics to self-driving cars to uh, you know the basis for Android to uh, yeah. you know they're talking about chromium now as a, as a you know as a as an operating system yeah. and moving into home automation and and uh, things like the nest what it's they're everywhere but is this yeah. a cohesive strategy I, I think so. I mean, I have a huge amount of respect for Google and, and sure. their strategic thinking. I think they have even very strategic about doing certain things. I mean, you could argue some decisions were questionable, uh, but you know, typically um, most companies go through that phase. But by far, I think Google is the most interesting company in, in the mobile ecosystem because they're not afraid to A, take chances, and their minds go you know, 360 in all directions. Right. And no industry <clears throat> is, is off the table. You know whether it's auto or retail or payments or whatever, they will give it a shot. They're not afraid of giving a shot, and they really think big. Yeah, you know. So, uh, in terms of uh, changing the dynamics of the industry, uh, I think Google is by far the most interesting company to watch, and in in what they do, and um, you know how they they play with the ecosystem. And, and the good thing about them is they they learn. They're fast learners as well. I mean, the fact that they quickly realized this Motorola thing is not going to work out, so they offloaded it and, you know, squarely focused on 
the software side instead of uh, kind of the Android device side. They don't get emotionally attached to these products, right? So they don't no. bring company yeah. in and say, yeah, yeah. Oh, we love you, Motorola. It's like, no, yeah. get in, no, get out, on to yeah. the next, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and they're fast, uh, you know, quick decision, very decisive uh, decision making because a lot of uh, big companies get bogged down by, um, you know, poor decision making or decisions that take long time. And uh, Google is not clearly not one of them. And, and I think it's pushing the boundaries. Now, when you start to see that they're deploying balloons into the lower atmosphere to, you know, beam Wi-Fi uh, down to a place that doesn't have internet activity, you start to think, okay, this is a very different company. This is a very different company. You know, the, the way they look at it is they look at the entire stack, you yeah. know, where the cost and revenue is, is going. And they say, they say, well, where can we attack? You know, you know whether it's you know, computing, you know, both Google and Facebook are really good at uh, kind of low level computing yeah. and build their own computing infrastructure. And so they look at the cost and revenue at every level of every vertical and see and just attack where uh, the opportunities, opportunities are. Having said that, the fundamental business is still advertising. And yes. so everything has to come back to that notion of uh, doing a better job at advertising. And do you think that uh, that will be a gradual decline in the revenue in advertising as a percentage of revenue? I mean, I don't think it'll decline as, a, as an overall, but, uh, or do you think it's going to be just one day they're going to be a robotics company or a home automation company? They're going to, you're going to wake up and it's going to be a completely different Google. We're going to all going to be driving in Google cars. It's hard to see that. I think it's still primarily be driven by kind of a, it's a data driven company, whether it's uh, focused on advertising or it's focused on. Uh, re doing starting to do retail and commerce. Mm -hmm. I think it still fundamentally will be kind of data-driven company. Advertising will st stay uh, the biggest component of their revenue for probably the next ten years. And I'll, you know they're innovating around this. Well, like partnerships with like say Uber, where you know you're walking down the street and a, and a mobile ad pops up that of a product that you're interested in in purchasing, and you click on that, and and they've struck uh, you know relationships with a retailer to say, okay, we'll pay for the transportation. So they send an yeah. Uber cab to bring you to that store. Like those yeah. are those are out of the box thinking that I just I freaking love, right? Yeah. No, they're great. Yeah. What about mm -hmm. what what about that other company that um, you mentioned, like this this newly found uh, mobile gospel of Facebook is is do you think that these guys um, can can make that transition sure they're a mobile company they've also got 1.1 billion people that use their services are they undervalued are they undervalued or overvalued for the revenue they're generating from having one-seventh of the population of the planet on their service so I think uh, any company that has 1 billion plus users deserves enormous respect absolutely beyond a shadow the question is whether you can keep that level of engagement with those users. Yeah. And uh, so far, Facebook has shown uh, that they that they can. And they're also fast learner. They saw the mobile thing is coming. They were not doing great. They transitioned from HTML5 to native apps. Yeah, big, fairly big, quick, big move. Fairly quickly. And, you know, they went from doing zero to a north of a billion dollars in a no, you know, very short amount of time in mobile. And so, um, but Facebook plays primarily on the software layer, application layer. It doesn't, you know, tinker around with, say, platforms or can't because it's too late, uh, mm -hmm. or, or devices. And they tried a few things but didn't work out. So I think I, I would expect them to play a substantial role in in advertising and, and payments um, uh, for for some time to come. And they do move quickly because they went through uh, 2013, saw them launch home, right? Their mm -hmm. their you know their skin for Android, and and now we don't hear much about that anymore, do we? Yeah. 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 
So they recognize their failures and they don't try to push it. Like a company like Microsoft often takes their failures and amplifies it by trying to push it out even more, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, billion people. You gotta have you gotta have a lot of respect for that. Um, what about uh, companies like uh, wearable companies, like Fitbit and and uh, and you know the likes that that are carrying the the, the brunt of the sales right now? Um, do you do you see that uh, things like Google Glass? Do you think see those things uh, hit, hitting a mainstream? Um, audience this year sure so this year is still questionable but variables uh, the way i see variable space is uh, you will clearly have a breaking out of companies uh, at the kind of the top tier who are either brands or they're um, kind of morphing into uh, luxurious uh, goods um, the way people think of uh, high-end products mm -hmm. um, and a kind of commodity pricing price products uh, either from coming from china or coming just you know very focused on feature functionality, but you know, because the, the components that go into a Fitbit, Fitbit or basis are plain vanilla. There's nothing, no rocket science behind it. Even the algorithms are pretty straightforward. Pretty much everybody has the same feature functionality. Yeah. Um, and so how do you differentiate? I think you differentiate either by uh, brand value associated with a particular product. So say Apple comes out with uh, a, you know, a, a measurement, um, Based device that's health, also health related. I think it'll, it can command a premium because mm -hmm. Apple is considered you know high value brand. Uh, mm -hmm. But if a startup is launching something similar, it's not going to get the same pricing. And pretty soon, I think we'll see a flooding of the market with very very cheap uh, uh, wearables. And, and so um, there'll be quite a disruption. Uh, a lot of companies will probably go out of business because they just cannot survive that commoditization phase. Uh, because if likes of Samsung. It can flood the market with a lot of variables at a much lower price. Uh, I think that's wh where consumers will go. And yeah. so it's hard to see where the other 15 or 20 companies will, will stay. Uh, they might do some very uh, geography-focused uh, uh, marketing and strategy play. Uh, but, but largely, I think you'll see the segmentation of uh, variable companies uh, very shortly. And I think that, uh, you know, there's a natural, well, there seems to be a natural conversation around, you know, what happens with, with Apple's uh, iWatch. And, and we know that the people that they're bringing in there would make us believe that it's far greater than just a timepiece or a connected yeah. device that is a pedometer. Sure. Yeah. Um, as you said, like a health device, which is a very mm -hmm. interesting piece. And if you look at the shelves on an Apple store, you start to see, right, there's, there's, um, there are health devices on the store, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, but it always leads, you know, the conversation... It shouldn't flow, but it does from these these wearable devices um, to this whole concept of the Internet of Things that is emerging finally, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You know, the 10 year slow emergence of the Internet yeah. of Things with yeah. sensors like Beacon, uh, like Estimotes and, and yeah. uh, iBeacon, um, yeah. you know, and the announcement that, that uh, you know, I think 13 stadiums in the United States are going to be uh, beaconed up. Uh, mm -hmm. For the beginning of the baseball season this year, which is fascinating to me, sure. how how much of an influence are those going to have on all of these verticals, like retail and entertainment and the home? Sure, I mean, the, the net, networks values increases as you add more nodes, and so <clears throat> so clearly, if you are going to have <clears throat> multiple sensors around you that are giving you pertinent information about how you should lead your life, whether it's uh, from a health perspective, whether it's from your work perspective, family, communication, and whatnot. I think that's all really good. Uh, it, it makes us more productive uh, as long as we kind of manage it properly, right? right. And we, we don't get too enamored by, by these things uh, and uh, to get, get too carried away. 
uh, I think the market is going to grow slowly. Uh, it's, uh, it's a primarily uh, a developed market uh, phenomena. It's, you know, you're not going to see multiple sensors in markets like India or China anytime soon uh, on a per subscriber basis. And so uh, just by definition, uh, the market is going to be smaller uh, initially, but I think then it is going to grow tremendously. Uh, but I think the bigger opportunity in Internet of Things uh, or M2M is in the enterprise space. And so if you look at what Intel is doing, what uh, General Electric is doing with industrial automation, I think that's where a lot of value comes into play. Uh, as you start putting in these sensors in automobiles, in jet engines, in uh, all sorts of wind turbines and so on and so forth, you're constantly collecting data that helps you uh, reduce the wear and tear on on these uh, machines, uh, reduces the cost of maintaining uh, these machines, and and just do a better job of uh, um, kind of productivity. You know, instead of waiting for something to break, you are uh, proactively doing something about it. Uh, I think that has tremendous, much more value to the overall ecosystem than say consumer wearables, which is obviously gets the more more headlines. Uh, but more value is going to get generated in the enterprise space. Yeah, yeah. I, I would 100% agree. Preventative measures rather than downtime is what is yeah. what those things can can benefit, and and uh, and making humans a little bit more efficient in in assessing these things. Um, what about drones? <laughs> you see opportunities for robots and drones. We went through that phase, didn't we? Where I mean, you know, with Amazon and then and then yeah. uh, Google. Um, but do you do you see do you see at some point not in 2014 but uh, you know that that kind of I don't even know how to ask that question do you see this at all possible local drones? Yeah, I mean there there's clearly a role for uh, automation within enterprise within home environment uh, in some shape and form it's already taking place in in war zones yep. you know people send drones to take care of the difficult stuff you know look at the landmine or spy on this or spy on that so that's happening in certain you know, niche areas in the society already. Um, whether it will come into the home environment or not, uh, I think a lot depends on obviously the price points and um, you know how good these products are. And I think that will determine how fast they get adopted in, in the in the mainstream. Uh, so far, like if you look at what's happening in Korea and Japan, which probably are the two countries most uh, forward in in the space. And they they are using these small robots primarily for entertainment. Yes, uh, you know, kind of working with the kids, uh, entertaining with the kids. You play with, with them and so on and so forth. Now, some form of robotics is already entering the home in terms of automated, uh, you know, windshield cleaners or um, vacuum cleaners and so on and so forth. So we'll probably see um, see these devices come in. Uh, Come into 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 the house, tackling certain tasks. You know, like reminding um, the older older generation to about the medicine. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, saying it's it's time to get up and take a medicine and so on and so forth. Or 10, 15 years time, I think they'll become much more acceptable, and the price points will be such that you'll just buying them just like you buy a smartphone. I think you know, I, I interviewed a, a company called Remotive. Um, I don't know if you've heard of these guys. They're a San Francisco-based company. Actually, they're Las Vegas-based uh, company, um, and uh, they basically have a little chassis, a little tank chassis, and they use the uh, your smartphone as the as the smarts, right? So the yeah. software-based with it with a with a chassis, and uh, it is a, uh, a little robot. 
you know, they wanted to democratize ro uh, you know, sure. home robots, and it's a, it's a toy. But it's, yeah. I think that it starts there, doesn't it? With, yeah. with, with the toy, the comfort level, and then all of a sudden, it's, it's cleaning your house and driving you around. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. What about? Uh, so, what are your thoughts on? I got. I got to leave the folks listening and watching this with 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 some with some tactical advice. So mm -hmm. I, I've got two pieces of thing. Like, where are the big opportunities in 2014 for businesses to be looking at? So whether that's an entrepreneurial business, uh, an entrepreneur that's looking to get in business, or somebody that should, is trying to extend their business, where, where do you where do you see an umbrella? Where where do you see the opportunities in there? Software, hardware, it doesn't matter. And then, what do you think is going to have the biggest? Uh, going to be impacted the greatest what industry is going to be impacted what's the next industry to either fall or rise as a result of mobile so the first question is where are the opportunities for for businesses these days i think businesses should look at any at the, at truly look at the cost structure of any uh, industry industry vertical uh you put pick any energy retail uh, travel transportation it and, and whatnot and see where the inefficiencies are and can you build a business trying to take care of a certain set of tasks in that industry that are not being done well? Uh, can you take out the human element and automate certain functions um, to provide better service to the consumers? And so I think opportunities are everywhere. Uh, you just take advantage of the network layer, device layer, and the application layer and attack specific uh, inefficiencies in various verticals and, and, and geographies because each geography is different in, in how they perceive uh, the various verticals, uh, and I think there are opportunities kind of uh, all over the place. You, you take that approach, which is you know look look for the weaknesses or the places, as you said, in in each vertical. I, I mean, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs who are attacking the home automation market. Is that is yeah. that like you know is it you know either or? I mean, home automation is so broad, yeah, I mean, right? Yeah, it's so broad. You have to really focus on. Are you going to be focused on? Uh, security, you're going to be focused on energy management, you're going to be focused on entertainment, right. communication, video conferencing, um, you know, having all your devices talk to each other. So, or, you know, are you going to need a platform? So clearly they're not, they can't be too many platforms by definition. <laughs> so what element are you going to be focused on? And then the key question is how do you make, go about making technology decisions, right? Uh, are you going to be betting on the wrong horse? By the time your product comes out, that platform is no longer viable or, or appealing or do you end up picking a wrong partner uh, who might not be as strong in six months? So, I mean, those are sometimes it's very hard to guess how these things play out. But, you know, from a tactical point of view, you have to, uh, yeah, you have to look at each step and figure out uh, what's the right approach based on the, the data you have at the moment. All right. So what what uh, what industry or what vertical, I, I suppose, is is ripe for disruption, either in a good way or a, a, a negative way over the next little while? Uh, I think uh, the auto industry uh, is, is, is clear, auto and health. I yeah. think these industries, uh, A, because they're both heavily regulated and uh, they don't change unless somebody, some upstart like Tesla comes into the space and really tries to disrupt the space and all of a sudden it's an exciting space. Uh, I think these two industries have tremendous potential to get completely disrupted. Uh, especially health, given that 20% plus GDP, uh, global GDP goes to health. Uh, I think There's it's money there. Tremendous inefficiency yeah. in the system in every single country. Yeah. And so if you can find ways to uh, do medicine uh, and care um, using mobile, which you can, um, um, I think that can have tremendous impact to society. I mean, even if you look at how hospitals are getting designed, 
they're getting designed uh, on the premise that con- that patients will still come to the hospital, which is a completely wrong premise 10 years from now, because care and measurements uh, from the consumer or the patient is going to be actually done outside the hospital, not inside. And so inside the hospital, you will have to have ways to absorb that data in a way that that makes sense and provide guidance to the to the patient versus having a line of patients in, outside the hospital. Uh, you know, an upcoming episode of Untether, I sat with a, um, a UI UX expert, um, Johan Soren, and he talked about the, that exact kind of concept, which is literally we're we're shedding skin everywhere. We're shedding fluid, bodily fluid everywhere. And uh, so why not turn our houses or our bathroom into a Petri dish for us? So every time you go to the washroom, it does, you know, samples automatically. So, it, I mean, it alleviates the pain from the, from, from the hospitals or from your doctor. Yeah. It just flags things that are abnormal, but it does it automatically. Yeah. When you brush your hair and a, a little piece of hair falls into the sink, it get you know, it, it, it is uh, analyzed and assessed and sent to your yeah. doctor, right? So like, the, that's like when we start to talk about that business is that what we're talking about when we're health and monitoring and and, and absolutely i mean it can go in further i mean you can have sensors inside your body that can help uh, predict you know how many days before you get the heart attack yes. <laughs> right because of your arteries how, how clogged clogged up they are yeah. i mean it's, it's a shame that we don't have that system in place today because technology kind of exists, uh, but you know regulators have typically been behind the behind the curve. I love that. I mean, some people are afraid of this, but uh, but boy, oh boy, like I think that as you said, this has been a steady evolution. It, it's not going to happen overnight. You know, if we told you uh, 15 years ago that you would drive a car that could uh, you know parallel park for you, yeah. you'd have been like, no way. Right, yeah. and now we're, we're that's accepted, and yeah. it's just a natural stage that pretty soon we're going to be all you know in Google cars or self uh, self driving cars, yeah. and and I think that 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 it's the humans that have to get yeah. over this, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, last, yeah, I mean, it took Google somebody like Google to you know come up with the concept of a driverless car, yeah. and the car industry was really not thinking about it. No, exactly. Out of left field. It's like, okay, we're going to strap a backpack on, on hikers and take photos of streets yeah. and we're going to create the autonomous driverless car. Well, what I mean, speaking of companies, uh, this is my last question. Then I have just one small question after that. So this is my last big question. What, what company in 2014 is, is your company to watch? I think Uber is doing uh, Uber, a lot. Of, yes. Yeah. yeah. It's doing some, some, I mean, it's kind of challenging the traditional notion of uh, regulation and uh, um, of an industry that has been around for forever and hasn't changed. And so I think it's, it's making people think um, uh, how should transportation actually take place um, and can have fundamental impact on how we you know, buy, tr- buy cars, uh, how we go from point A to point B. Um, and it might evolve into something that is very accepted in the near future. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I would even add to that. I think, like, uh, you know, the curb to doorstep challenge, right? Of delivery, like these guys can, you know, occupy quite a huge space around uh, a delivery, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. very disruptive, man. I, yeah, Uber for me was one of the choices that I that I chose. Like, you can't ignore this company, can you? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, what? Uh, where do you get your your um, your data, your information from? I know you ask a lot of people, but I mean, are, are there any books that you read? Any tools that you use that you can share here? Is there like, do you have a favorite book that you've uh, you've consumed in the last little while? You know, mainly my research work is uh, I work with a lot of par- uh, players in the industry, and mm-hmm. so and across the ecosystem, from the likes of uh, you know operators to internet players to startups to VCs. 
and I get to work across uh, geographies. And so that helped me understand the evolution path of, you know, where uh, things are going, my, you know, and keep my ears to the ground. And, um, you know, I collect and update my data on a regular basis. And so that gives me insights uh, that inform my strategy. Oh, I mean, it's it's great. Like, if you haven't taken a look at this, I, I implore you to go go to uh, chetansharma.com. That's C H E T A N S H A R M A dot com, and you can you can. I mean, you give away this data. It's amazing, uh, and, and you know you should be using this to, as a as as part of a of your data points to chart your business going forward. And uh, and I believe that you have to take in as much as you can, just like Chetan does, in order to be able to get a bigger picture of what it is. And you have to step out. And I think this is great advice to step out of what your business is and 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 do what Google does is look around and see what it can be. Is that a good assessment? Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Wow. Well, you know, I I I could monopolize your entire day. This could be the the 13-hour episode. If I if I stopped now, I think we would get away with this being a shorter than that episode. So, Jet, you know, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Um, I, I really appreciate these conversations. Okay. I get great insight, uh, and uh, I love what you do. So please don't stop, because then we wouldn't have a lot to talk about. Promise. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll send people to chetansharma.com and uh, and to also uh, you know subscribe to uh, your uh, your slideshow account as well because that's where you'll get uh, you know a lot of the the presentations and go back and, and take a look at this and and I know that you found some great insight in this episode so I implore you to come back and we'll have Chetan on again in, in a year's time how does that sound all right sounds good We've been speaking with uh, Chetan Sharma. He is the president of Chetan Sharma Consulting. They do something called the Mobile Future Forward, which is what we've been talking about, and a little bit more around what is going on in the mobile industry, past, present, and future. Go and download these presentations at chetansharma.com. Go to patreon.com forward slash untether to go and contribute. If you found this was worth a buck, boy, I think it was worth more than that. Uh, I think it was worth like $10,000. But I would take a buck at patreon.com forward slash untether. And wherever you are, whatever you are doing, I appreciate you guys watching this. Please, please come back. We'll see you again next time on untether.tv. Thank you, Chetan. Okay. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Rob. Take care. <laughs>